because, like I said, it's a little bit different day. If you're brand new with us, we don't usually have the kids in here. We don't usually do a kid's song, uh, at least in here, uh, but it's a different day, and, I'll, and you'll figure it out uh, as we go through why that is. Um, you'll see in a few minutes, we've been working our way through Ephesians, and the verses we're talking about today, uh, if you have kids, you've probably read these verses to your kids. Uh, so um, that's why we have our kids in here today. Uh, we believe in our church. We've been saying this, this uh, phrase, and you're going to see it around. We've been saying this thing. If we love the family, we can change the world. That if we can love the family, we can help save the family, because the Bible defines the family in a specific way, then we can change the world. If you don't have a family at home, you can be a part of one here. We love to welcome you into our family, because you're a part of God's family. That's what the Word of God says. We want you to know, and it's one of the reasons I had the kids in here today, and I want you to see one of the songs they sing with Miss Ogle. We want you to know that if you bring your kids, we're going to love on them, and we're going to tell them about Jesus every single chance we get. You got a little glimpse of what Mrs. Olga does with the kids in kids' church each week. I had a pastor, I think I've said this here before, that said it's cheaper and easier to reach a kid than it is an adult. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> it is true, but... Um, but seriously, we believe we can teach our kids now more than ever about the Word of God and introduce our kids uh, to Jesus as, at as young an age as possible. And we believe in you as parents. We believe in your kids, and we want to love on them as best we can. We want you to know if you bring them that we're going to love on them, tell them about Jesus. Uh, we want you to know that our goal is that you can send your kids to one of our classes, our kids' church, preschool, nursery, and then you can come in here and receive from the Lord. Uh, that's, the, that's the idea. But from time to time, you got to throw a curveball in there. It gets boring if you don't throw a curveball. So that's what we're doing today. Last week, I uh, started a, a few weeks of talking about some of the most important relationships in our lives. So we've been working our way through Ephesians. Last week, we talked about the mystery of marriage. I gave the husbands that are here uh, some tips on how not to get sent to the couch, because that's always an important thing when you're married. I'm going to sure try hard not to keep you too long today because I know I got a, we got our kids in here and stuff. Um, but today we're going to talk about another very important relationship. And I, and I believe it's laid out this way for a reason. The marriage relationship is the most important, and then the next one comes kids and parents. And the reason we have the kids in here together with us today, here's one of them, uh, is because when this was written, it was written as a letter to be read out loud. They couldn't put it in a bunch of envelopes and send it around. They didn't have the capability to do that, so they would... Take it to one place, and they read it out loud, and the kids and the parents were together. So that's why we are reading this together out loud, and we have everyone in here this morning. So I'm going to have all of our kids, every kid in the place that's comfortable, come down here to the front with me. Come down here. Sit right here. Right, right here, right here, right here. Thank you. You can sit on the floor, John Four. Sit on the floor. Sit on the floor. Maybe scoot back a hair. Scoot back a hair so I don't have to look straight down at you. Come on up here, kids. I know most of these kids... Uh, hello, Luella. You look very pretty today. Kids, I'm going to ask you some questions this morning as we go along. So I need you to be ready to answer the questions, okay? Can you do that? Yeah? Okay. So when I ask you a question, it'll be helpful if you, like, raise your hand. and then I'll, I won't call on each of you every time, but uh, I'm going to ask you some questions as we go along, okay? So uh, I know, kids, it can be super hard to be a kid, can't it? Is it hard to be a kid? A lot of nodding heads here. In fact, kids, I want to interview you for a minute, okay? You ready to be interviewed? You better have interesting answers. Everyone's listening. All right, I'm going to ask you, I want you to think about it for a second. 
I want each of you to think of one of the things that's hard about being a kid and one of the things that's being the best about being a kid. You ready, JJ? Ready for one hard thing, one good thing? Okay, let's hear it. The best thing about being a kid is you get to play video games all day. Okay. So none of you can take that answer now. What about a hard thing? You got any hard things? Cleaning your room. Cleaning your room. I think that's going to be a popular answer. Uh, anybody else? Luella, do you want to tell me the best thing about being a kid? What is it? What is it? I like to be, when I'm a kid, um, I like to play, clean up my room. That is, wow. That's a good parents right there. You like to play, clean up your room. Is there anything you don't like about being a kid? Not me. I know. That's pretty good. All right. Who's next? I got a few more people. All right. I'm over here. Ready? Tell me the, tell me the best thing about being a kid. One of the best things about being a kid is watching TV. Watching TV. All right, good answer. Uh, do you have any bad things about being a kid? Um, I would have to say. There are none, right? Getting bossed around. <laughs> Getting bossed around. Getting bossed around. That's a good one. All right, hang on, John. I'll get to you in a second. You ready, Ains? All right, what's the best thing about being a kid? Um. <laughs> I thought you said you were ready. Okay. Um, that most girls like to organize, and that's the best part of being a kid. Organizing things. Not my kids. <laughs> All right, uh, what's the worst part about being a kid? Mm, I have no idea. Oh, no bad things. This is what I like to hear. Michael, you ready? I'm going to get to you guys in a second, John. Luke, you're going to get your chance. Don't worry. These are my boys in the middle, by the way. All right, Michael, what's the best thing about being a kid? Taking care of their parents if they're sick. Oh, man, what a good boy. Taking care of their parents if they're sick. All right, what's the worst thing about being a kid? Crashing and smashing. Crashing and smashing. Okay. All right, that's pretty good. Those are good answers. Those are, I'm going to get to you guys in a second. You're going to get your own chance. Get your own chance. I'm actually going to, John and Luke, come up here. I'm going to have you help me with something this, this morning. So come up, stand here. So let, turn around. Like, don't look at those yet. That's not for you quite yet. So this is my son, Luke. He is, uh, tell, tell everyone how old you are, Luke. I am seven. He just turned seven. All right, uh, John, tell everyone how old you are. I'm nine. John is nine years old. So I'm John Eugene Heisel the third, and uh, John is John Eugene Heisel the fourth. This is our son, Luke. Um, you guys told me you'd be on your best behavior up here, so. <laughs> what do you have on your face there, Luke? You don't know. <laughs> Story of his life. Okay, I have a couple questions for you guys, specific questions. All right, you ready, Luke? This is a hard one. Are you ready? What is your favorite food? Ice cream. Ice cream. A boy after mom's own heart. All right, John. What's your favorite food? Pizza. Pizza? Oh, I thought he was going to go with hamburgers. I know, pizza. All right, Luke, are you ready for one more question? Well, I'm going to ask you anyway. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a scientist. A what? Scientist. A scientist. Good answer. Wow, that's it. I didn't know he was going to say that. All right, I think I know this one. John, what do you want to be when you grow up? A major league baseball player. A major league baseball player. What a shocker. What a shocker. What a shocker. Okay. Now, uh, I have something for you here, guys, that you're going to help me with. Let's see. Turn this thing here so I can see it. All right. So. What are these? Guys, what are these? Legos, yeah. 
So here we have some Legos. Okay, uh, it's, boys, what's unique about these Legos? What is, what's interesting about these ones? Yeah, they can be more than one thing, right? They can be, they can be three in one. Okay, boys, tell me, if you're going to make here, face the people so they can see you. Tell me, uh, one of you guys, tell me, what's, if you're going to put together some Legos, what is the process you go through? What's the first thing you do, John? What's the first thing? You have to put together the Lego. Well, yes, of course, but what do you have to do before that? Read the instructions. What do you have to do before that? <laughs> Open the box. Open the box. That's true. Okay, good, good. Okay, Luke. What do you do after you open the box? What do you do? Read the instructions. Read the instructions. Okay, then what do you do after that, uh, John? <laughs> you put one together, right? So um, I'm going to have you guys do it today, okay? I'm going to at least get started, okay? So um, which one do you guys want to put together? The alligator. The alligator? Uh, Luke wants to do the snake. You're going to have to agree. Okay, fine. Alligator. Okay, fine, alligator. All right. So they're going to open the alligator now. Can I trust you? So, look, here's the tape right here. Can one of you guys open this up a little bit? Can you do that? Or you're going to want to just slide along the side there. Yeah, don't cut my hand off and on camera in front of the church. He's pretty good at scissors usually. Oh, nice one. And don't cut your own hand off either. Would it help if we set it on the table over there? All right, here you go. Set them on the table, okay? So now, wait, what's the next thing you're going to do? Find the right... Okay. Yeah, okay. So, so which one are you going to do, the alligator? All right, so what's the next thing you got to do? No, you can't open the bag yet. What do you, what's the next thing you got to do? Okay. So how are you going to put them together? It's pretty hard to put them together without the plan, right? I did it on purpose. You're totally right. I stole all the instructions. I totally did. Leave them up here. You guys can have them back later. They're, they're an illustration for today. Would you give my boys a big hand? Go sit down. Go sit down, guys. Go sit down. Go sit down. He's pretty smart. He figured out that I tricked him. Because kids, guess what? It's... Pretty, uh, it's pretty hard to put something together if you don't have the plan, right? If you don't have a plan, you can't put the Legos together. Well, kids, guess what? There is a perfect plan for your life. A perfect, perfect plan for your life. And it's written down for you even. You don't even have to guess it. It's written down. It's written down right here in the Bible. I'm going to tell you about it just for a couple minutes. Uh, this plan uh, has a really good conclusion, and God gives you directions on how to discover it, just like these directions right here uh, are directions on how to make the little, the little Lego guy. That's a frog. I know, I know, I know. I just grabbed one of them. Now, we're going to read a few verses here in a minute, okay? And these verses are written by this guy named Paul. And Paul, he was a terrible, 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 terrible man until he met Jesus. Uh, and he met Jesus on the road, and Jesus came to him and, and made him blind, and he met Jesus. And after Jesus changed his life, like he's changed a lot of your lives, um, he started to write down these messages for us. And this guy, Paul, he has a message from God about a perfect plan for each of you guys. God has, I want you to know this, look at me, you guys, God has a perfect plan at home with your parents and your grandparents. 
I want to read you some verses, okay? This is uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. We have them on the screen up there. I believe you put them up there. Uh, This is the New Living Translation that I like to read sometimes. It says this, okay? You guys listen close. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life here on this earth. It's a pretty interesting uh, set of verses, right? But before we talk about verses 1 and 2, I want to point out verse 3 for you. Because verse 3 tells the end of the story. How many of you sometimes skip to the end of the story? You ever skip to the end of the book and read the story? Verse 3 tells you how the plan works out. And we already know what happens if we listen to God's perfect plan. It says this, right? Things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. How many of you guys want to have a long life on earth? Be good to have a long life, right? You want to pet a dog? Well, the longer you live, the more dogs you can pet, John. I don't know if you can do that. Luigi, he's in a video game. But that sounds like a pretty good ending. But you can't, listen up, listen up. You can't get there unless you have a plan. You can't get to the ending unless you have the plan. Unless you have the instructions. That's why I tricked you as an illustration. You can have them later. Let's talk for just a minute about how we work the plan, okay? The first thing we have to know is that God gives us a command. Do you guys know what a command is? Somebody tell me what a command is. Ains, what's a command? Your mom tells you to clean up the room. That is a command. Can you tell that one happens in our house sometimes? What's one more example of a command, JJ? To eat food before you eat ice cream. That is a very important command. Now, when we are kids, God has a command for us, and it's not a suggestion. Yes, Michael? I'll give you a chance in a minute. Uh, Listen, when we're kids, God has a command, and you don't get to decide whether you do it or not. It's, it's not a suggestion. Sometimes your parents will give you a suggestion, right? They will say, hey, uh, you know, if it's kind of chilly outside, they might say, hey, you might want to put a jacket on before you go outside. And that's a suggestion. But sometimes your parents say, clean your room. That is a command. I know we hear that one a lot in our house, obviously. <laughs> we're getting ready to move, so there's a lot of room cleaning going on right now. He's not telling you to do it if you want to, but he is telling you this. If you want to have a good and a long life, here's the command that you have to obey. If you want to have a good and long life, you have to obey this one command. The next thing we see here is the reason for the command. And the command is children, obey your parents. That's the command. And here's the reason for the command. You know how sometimes your parents tell you to do something, but they don't tell you the reason why? That's kind of frustrating, isn't it? Um, but you, have, you need to know your parents, they're allowed to tell you to do something and not give you the reason if they want to. Yes, they are. That's part of the job of being parents. Sometimes you got to do that. But this is the opposite of it. Sometimes it's easier to do what someone's asking you if you know what the reason is, right? If you know mom and dad say put on a coat because it's 30 degrees outside, then it's easier to do the thing, right? But what God says here is that you should obey your parents. And what is the reason? The reason you should obey your parents is because you belong to God. All one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of you guys, you belong to God. You know what? Uh, do you guys believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Yeah. Right? He created everything? Well, the one who created the heavens and the earth created everything. You belong to him. It's like, you know how when you have a favorite toy or something and you put your name on it? God has written his name on you. If you guys have accepted Jesus, yeah. Just like you write your name on your Pokemon cards, God's written his name on you. He says, 
John and Luke and JJ and Michael, Ainsley, these guys. It's just an example. Hey, you guys need to calm down down here, especially my two boys. You need to understand that God has written his name on you, and you guys belong to him. That's the reason you obey the Lord, because you belong to God. The reason you obey your parents, because you belong to God. He's written his name on your heart, the Bible says. So kids, it's the right thing to do, to listen to your parents, your grandparents, whoever it is that's in authority over you. But you don't do it just because. You do it because you belong to God. He's written his name on you. And here's one more super cool thing that I want to show you. Uh, when we obey our parents, because it's the right thing to do when we belong to God, God does something awesome for us. God makes us a promise. God makes us. Any of you guys ever make promises? Make promises? Michael, what's a promise that you've made before? Any good promises you can think of? To keep. Do you make promises to keep somebody safe? That's a good promise to make, right? Uh, yes, John, what's a promise you've made? Can't think of one. Oh, what is it? What is it? Keeping a secret. Keeping a secret, that is a good promise that we make, yes. Now listen, God has made you a promise, okay? And what it says here is that we're to honor our father and mother. And when we do that, there is a promise. And you know what the promise is? The promise is the end of the plan. And in God's plan, it says here that you will live well. Now my son John, he he blurted it out a minute ago, he loves petting dogs. You will live a long and happy life and get to pet a lot of dogs if you honor your father and mother. The things you want to do when you grow up, Luke said he wanted to be a scientist. Ainsley here is in the gymnastics. You get to do all those things and live a long, good life. The Bible says you honor your father and mother, and God promises that you'll get to do the desires of your heart. That's the way that it works. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. In God's plan, it says you will live well, you'll have a long life. So, kids, I just want to tell you this. Everyone look at me. This is your last thing before you go back to your seats. Everyone look at me. Look me right in the eyeballs. <laughs> Obey your parents all the time. That's what you need to know when you walk out of this place. Obey your parents all the time. And the reason is not because, just because, the reason is because you belong to God, and he's written his name on you. And that's the way God has planned for it to work. If we follow the plan, God promises that it will go well. Does that make sense? Everybody nod if you understand me. Awesome, awesome. Give our kids a hand as they go back to their seats. You guys can go back to your seats this morning. Now, the kids are probably all like, well, why are you telling us what to do? Why don't you talk to the parents? Well, they get their turn now, right? Kids, if, you're gonna, if you'll bear with me, I want to talk to your parents just for a few minutes. I don't have too much for them today. The Bible says, like we said, that God's plan is that all the kids should obey their parents. And that includes, if you live with your grandparents, uh, maybe a foster mom or dad or something like that, you should obey them as well. But parents also have a part in the plan. There's only one more verse in this section, but it's packed with really important stuff. Ephesians 6, 4 says this, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's interesting. There's three verses directed at the kids only this one to the parents. And it may be only one verse, but this is a case of a few words that give really, really big responsibility. I'll tell you this. I don't think my wife's in here. But uh, uh, we don't know everything about being parents. Uh, but our experience has been unique. Uh, Chandra and I both had really good parents growing up. So that is an advantage that not everybody has. And we've been parents, and we've been married 15 years. 
we've been uh, parenting for about 14 years, so almost our whole marriage. Um, we have one kid that's 25, one that's nine, and one that's seven. So if you do the math, you know, that doesn't make sense because we adopted a teenager. Because our kids are 25, nine, and seven, we have experienced a lot over the past 15 years. But we're not even close to done. Usually, if you start when you first get married like that, you're almost close to done by now. We're not even close. One thing I would love to encourage you to do, and this is something that we have learned to do over the years, is parents, grandparents, if you're raising kids, take as much joy in it as you can. Man, don't miss one joyful moment. There are days that are hard. For sure there's days that are hard. We would be lying if we said there wasn't. But take as much joy in parenting as you can. No matter what the situation is with the kids in your life, you need to know this. God gave them to you. Good, bad, anything in between, God gave them to you. And God's hope for you is that you'll take joy as you guide them through the ups and the downs of going up. This is something that uh, struck me a couple days ago. It's a privilege to be the one by your kids' side when they struggle. They're going to go to somebody and it's a privilege for us to get to be next to them when they have a hard time in school, or they have a hard time with a friend or, or whatever. It's a privilege to get to be by their side. So take joy in it. If you're having a hard time finding joy in it at times, which we all do, I would encourage you to ask God for it. And I believe he's faithful to answer you when you ask him for that. I just want to look at this verse for a few minutes. So I want to point uh, one thing out really quickly. In virtually every version of the Bible, whichever one you have, it probably says fathers at the beginning of that verse. But that in no uh, way means this verse is not for both parents. If both parents are present in the house, I understand it's not always that way. The word that's translated here as parents or as fathers is the same one that's translated parents in Hebrews. Same Greek word, they just translate it differently. And that verse, the author is talking about Moses' parents. And this one talks about fathers. And I think the reason that it's translated fathers here is because it's this logical continuation of what we talked about last week, which was the husband should be the head of the household, right? And we're saying the fathers should be the leader in the house when it comes to the kids. Also, in this culture that Paul was writing to, the people he was writing to, the usual way of the father was to rule harshly with an iron fist, his way of the highway. What God is telling us through Paul is that there is a better way than that. And fathers, uh, you need to know this, that we as dads, we're to lead in living this verse out in our homes. But we're to do it together with our wives. So wives, just because it says fathers there, you are not off the hook when it comes to disciplining your kids. And husbands, you don't get to make every decision without consulting your wife. So don't think the verse gets you out of that. Uh, Proverbs 6, 20 through 22 just kind of confirms this. My son, keep your father's command, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Keep your father's command. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. A father's commands and a mother's teaching guide our kids the rest of their life. Now, just like kids, we as parents, we're given a command Kids, are you guys ready to hear what the command for your parents is? You're not ready? You don't want to hear what your parents have to do, John? I think you do want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Well, here it is. Here's the, here's the command. It says this, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. It's a big word, exasperate. 
Now, different versions use different words in place of exasperate. Both New King James and NLT, they will say uh, provoke. The message translation says, do not frustrate. Once again, God gives a reason for his command. He doesn't often give us commands without a reason. We are not to provoke or exasperate our kids. And the reason is so that they don't become frustrated or feel like they can never win. No one likes being in a no-win situation. And when we frustrate and provoke our kids, that's how they feel. Now, parenting is a huge subject. We could talk for five hours this afternoon and, and not cover all of it. But in a few minutes, I want to give you three quick things that I've discovered that are helpful. But first, I want to focus on this not provoking part for a minute. I ran across this list in a book about Ephesians I've been reading. Uh, I've mentioned it to you. It's called uh, Exalting Jesus in Ephesians. And this guy, he made a list of things that frustrate kids. And uh, I read it, and I kind of saw it from the opposite way. So I have some ways for you. If you're a parent, if you're going to be a parent, thinking about being a parent, I encourage you to write a few things down. These are some ways that you can encourage and not provoke your kids. Encourage, not exasperate. I think they'll be on the screen. You can take a picture as they come up. The first way to encourage, not provoke your kids, is to remember that they are kids. Gotta remember your kids are kids. They're six and not 16. They're nine and not 19. John says, amen. I'm so glad that my parents gave me a chance to be a kid. I'm so glad they let me go out with my football uh, for as long as I wanted and just make up my own one-person football game in the front yard. We need to understand, parents, our kids have their entire life to be grown-ups. They're at whatever age they decide to, you know, they become an adult, uh, whenever they go to college, whatever, they have their entire lives to have to do that. So while they are kids, a way we can encourage them and not exasperate them is to let them be kids and do the things that kids do that God made them to do. Another way we can encourage our kids is we can resist comparing them to other kids. All of our children are wonderfully made in the image of God. And you know what? They're all different. It's so fun to see you. You see these guys just, you know, making a ruckus up here in the front. It's so fun to see them grow up. And they've each got little pieces of me. If you see a picture of me when I was seven years old, Luke is spitting image of me, except I have brown eyes. He had blue eyes. Except John's got the olive skin like I have. Uh, Luke's got pretty fair skin. John's got the olive skin like I have. And each of them, each day, I see little bits and pieces of me. And I got to remember, neither of them is exactly me. Neither of them are going to turn out exactly like I turned out. All of our children, all of your children are wonderfully made of the image of God. He made them to be something specific. Our job is to help them figure out what it is. And we are free to let them be whatever God made them to be. Not that you give them no direction. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we can let our kids be whatever God made them to be, to discover the gifts and talents that God gave them. Another way we can encourage and not provoke is we encourage as often as possible, even as small things. You've probably heard, if you've been in church, you've heard this verse. Uh, the Bible says the tongue holds the power of life and death. Very, very true. It is much, much more true when it comes from parents. The tongue does hold the power of life and death, but when it comes from a mom or a dad, uh, it's more true than, than in any other case. The words that we speak in our homes, even when we correct friends, they have the power of life and death, and we have to choose to encourage our kids at every turn. This might sound obvious, but another way you can encourage your kids is to tell your kids you love them. Don't be afraid to say the, to your kids the words, I love you. 
The amount of 20 and 30-somethings I read about that say some version of, my parents never told me they love me, it's astonishing. And I understand the whole thing. Dads, when the boys get over, you got to have some tough love, and they can't be a kid forever and all that stuff. But the honest truth, I think, is that we should be saying, hey, son or daughter, I love you. I'm proud of you. We should be saying it as much or more than anything else. I'll tell you what, when we say that stuff, and we're not always perfect at this, but when we say that stuff, it gives you a lot more leeway to correct when you need to correct. Not that we never give a mother instruction, but instruction should never overshadow our love for our kids. If our kids feel like we'd rather instruct them than love on them, then uh, we got an issue probably. Listen, the world is going to be hard enough on them probably. We don't need to overdo it in that. And we can probably not say to our kids, I love you and I'm proud of you. We probably can't say it too much. It's probably impossible. Because they're going to go out into a big, mean, harsh world, and they're going to need to call back on, hey, mom and dad love me. No matter what mistake I made, no matter how hard this is, mom and dad love me. I touched on this a minute ago. A way we can encourage our kids is we allow them to be who God made them to be. In other words, we're not trying to pressure them into what we want them to be, not saying we don't fail to teach them what is right, because we have to teach them what is right. That's the job of a parent, teach them what's right. But uh, parents in this place, your kids don't have to realize all your failed dreams. It's hard to, hard to uh, come to that realization sometimes, but they don't have to. They don't have to turn, exact, turn out exactly like we did. Finally, we can allow them to spread their wings. You can allow your kids to spread your wings. I'm not saying let them hurt themselves, but you can allow your kids to spread their wings. Let them know that as long as they aren't doing things that are wrong or sinful, they can be whatever God made them to be. And this one is pretty hard, especially when you, we've got two boys that are rambunctious. Uh, try hard not to be too overprotective. It's easy to wrap him in bubble wrap, right? Oh, I don't want that to hurt you. I don't want that to hurt you. I don't want you to be around that. But they need to know, friends, our kids need to know that it's okay to fail and that our love is not conditional. Man, if they get a bad grade at school, our love's not conditional. Even if we wish they were done better, it doesn't affect our love for them. When they graduate and they go to school and they struggle or, or whatever, they need to know, yeah, we might not love the decision, but our love is not conditional. Now, you'll notice I didn't include anything about discipline in there. We'll get there here in just a second. It's because it comes in this last part. Verse 4, the last part of it says, instead, it says, do not exasperate or provoke. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I told your kids a minute ago that God gives them a command to obey their parents. It's not a suggestion. Well, what we here, have here for the parents is a command to discipline our kids. Discipline, I think, is the least fun part of being a parent in most cases. But we have to remember this, and man, if you walk out of here thinking one thing about discipline, know this. Discipline gives kids a foundation for life. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Man, that's quite the statement. If we don't discipline our kids, then we hate them. Sorry, kids. If your parents love you, they have to discipline you. That's what the Bible says. But we have to say something very important here because uh, that verse, it, it said, uh, the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. That's why we have to say something important. The correct discipline for your house is up to you. 
you don't have to discipline your kids the way I discipline my kids. You don't have to discipline your kids the way your parents disciplined you. You don't have to do any of that. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you, you have to discipline your kids this way. Hey, here's the line they cross, and then you spank them or whatever. I'm not going to tell you that. Because the truth is, what works for one kid may not work for another. The things that worked for Christina, that we, the girl we adopted, she lives in Twin Outs, why she's not here, but the things that worked for her didn't work. They wouldn't work for John and Luke. The things that work for John don't work for Luke and vice versa. You as parents, you have to listen to what God is telling you. But you have to discipline them. The only thing you can't do is fail to discipline them. You can discipline whichever way you see fit. And of course, everyone has opinions. The only thing you can't do is fail to discipline them. If you want to talk about how, uh, you know, people specifically discipline our kids, that, that's a conversation for another time. we sure glad to talk to you about what works and what doesn't work in our experience. I'm glad to do that in another context. But there's, there's more than just one way. There's spanking and there's grounding and there's taking away privileges and all that stuff. It's up to you to decide what works in your house and what God is moving you towards. The only thing you can't do is fail to discipline your kids. But I will tell you this, and this is the first of three things I want to leave you with before we end today. The first one is this. Be consistent. Be consistent in your life and your discipline. However it is you choose to discipline, be consistent. When you decide on disciplining your kids, we found this to be so valuable. It's not always easy, but spell it out clearly and then stick to it. However it is. And if you warn, you better, you better take them up on the warning if they cross the line. However it is. In fact, I would say, though, this applies not just in discipline, but every area of our lives. I'll tell you this. Uh, we have learned this over the years. Uh, parenting Christina, who came from a very uh, 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 unusual home, kids thrive on consistency. Even when they become teenagers, they might act like they don't want you around or don't want to hear your opinion. They thrive on consistency. They thrive on knowing uh, that when they turn around, you're going to be there. Your kids, they will grow and develop the best when they know what to expect at home, know what to expect from their parents. Uh, they will grow and develop the best when the ground is not shifting underneath them. I encourage you, be consistent in how you discipline. Be consistent in how you speak. Be consistent in how you love God. Your kids are going to see things uh, more than they hear you saying, probably. Another thing I want to encourage you with this morning is to think about how you spend your time. I found that there's this very simple truth uh, since I got married, and, but especially since I became a parent. If I'm going to parent my way, parent my kids in a way that honors God, I have to do less of the things that I want to do. doesn't mean there's not seasons in your life when you're busy or whatever, but I have to do less of the things I want to do. I'll give you some examples. For me, that often means less sleep. I would like to get seven hours of sleep each night. Reality is between five and six is more likely. <laughs> I have to do less fun stuff, stuff that I consider fun. Sometimes I even have to do less work. Sometimes I have to say no to something at the church so I can do something for or with my kids or my family. Some examples from my life, tangible ones that might make sense to you as we've had kids in our home. I used to be, if you're a golfer, I used to be a five handicap golfer. Now I am an eight on a good day. <laughs> I used to play basketball twice a week, no questions asked. Now I am once a week at best, most of the time. Consequently, I used to weigh 163, now I weigh 173. 
I used to get to eat as much pizza as I want. Now I have to sneak it if I want an extra piece or two. And Chandra tells this story. When we first, Christina first came to live with us, we were out to eat. And she said, watch this. And she took a piece of pizza off my plate <laughs> in front of people. And I like reached to grab it. Used to get as much pizza as I want. Now I have to share it. Now eventually I'll probably get back to some of that stuff. But for now, my time is focused on my kids. Because you know what? That's God's mandate to me as a parent. He gave them to me. He gave them to me to raise, gave them to us parents to raise for as long as we have them. He gave them to us to see them through the highs and the lows. And sometimes our priorities priorities and our time has to change. Finally, most importantly, teach your kids about God. Teach your kids about God. I'm not saying to, uh, to pound it into them all the time and make them resent it, but teach your kids about God. This is where I say that all the stuff I mentioned in the past few minutes, uh, we certainly don't get it right all the time. We have way, way more to learn than we know. Man, if you're a good parent, you're always learning. You're always changing things you can do better. But this is the one thing I can always fall back on. Because even if at times I fail to discipline the way I should, even if I get too busy, even if I fail to express to my kids how precious they are to me because life is busy or I'm stressed or whatever, I can always, without fail, teach them about God. Teach your kids about God. Teach them about who He actually is. Allow your kids to experience God for themselves. Because when they turn 18, they move out of your house or whenever it is, they're going to need to have had an experience for themselves instead of your experience. Teaching your kids about God, it will have a greater effect than any other thing you can imagine. So how does it look? Just a couple quick tips. Make sure God's Word is present in your home. Man, get those uh, Scripture things and put them on the wall. Pray with them. Man, there's something so powerful about uh, praying with your kids before bed. Even if, uh, you know, the way our life is busy, so a lot of times I go pray with these guys and, uh, and um, they're already asleep. But I go pray with them anyway. Because God hears our prayers, right? He hears every single one of them. Uh, when Christina came to live with us, she was a teenager. And until the day she moved out of our house, which was she was in our 20s, if I was able, every night I would go in and I would lay my hand on her shoulder and I'd pray. She'll tell you this is the truth. A lot of times I said the same things. Lord, thank you that Christina is our daughter. We know you have plans to prosper her, not to harm her, give her a hope and a future. Go pray those things over your kids. You won't go wrong. I would just encourage you, of course, I'm the pastor, so you know I have to say this, but I really mean it. Bring them to church with you. Make church a priority. We, we're really good in the United States at making lots and lots of stuff a priority. I just tell you, man, make church a priority best you can. Again, it's not like you never get busy or you don't have seasons in your life, but make church a priority because friends, parents, grandparents, when we fail our kids, because we will, because we're humans, when we fail them, our God will not fail them. Because his love is the one, the love that's never failing. And the perfect plan that we talked about for our kids, it's not going to be found through us. The perfect plan for our kids, it's going to be found through a relationship with the living God. Those three things are going to direct us towards our part of the plan. Not provoking our kids or exasperating them, but showing them the way to God. Giving our kids a foundation for life. 
And today, before we end, I want all of you to know something, oldest to youngest. And that's this, that there is a God that loves you more than anything you could possibly imagine. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to be a pure and sinless, spotless sacrifice for your sins. You guys see my boys down here. I could not part with them for the, all the money in the world, but God sent his only son to die for us. I want to make sure everyone in here has a chance to accept him. So would you uh, bow your heads, close your eyes. All the adults, all the kids. Uh, we're going to close here in a minute, but everyone's heads are bowed. Every, everybody's eyes are closed. And if you're here today and you've heard me talking about Jesus and, and you want to have him in your life, the Bible says many, many places that if we confess that Jesus is Lord, that he comes to live in our heart. So all our heads are bowed, all our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and you were someone that wants to accept Jesus into your life, you want to become a Christian uh, for the first time, or maybe you were a long time ago and you need to come back to the Lord today. If that's you, when I count to three, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to... Uh, call you out. Uh, I'm the only one that's going to see, but it's just so I can pray over you and we can pray together. So if you want to become a Christian today and rededicate your life, when I count to three, would you raise your hand for me? One, two, three. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. Lots of hands raised. So here's what we're going to do. Church, all of us together, we are going to repeat a prayer together. And if you already know the Lord, you're just agreeing with everyone else. So all of you that raise your hands, you say this prayer. Um, you say this prayer, uh, Jesus is going to come live in your heart. You mean it. Everyone in the place, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. This morning, I believe in you. I accept you into my heart. Please forgive me of all my sins. I give my life to you. I am now a Christian. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, kids, adults, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, the Lord is living in your heart. Come on, give each other a hand. That was so awesome for all of you to be brave like that. So good. Final thing we're going to do today, and then we're out of here to lunch. All the kids, come on down here. Every, every kid, every kid, every kid. So all the kids, come on down. Come on there, Luke. Come on down. And then I want all the parents of these kids, stand up for me, John. All the parents, uh, would you stand? And we're going to come lay hands on these kids. All the parents, come on. We're going to lay our hands on our kids. The Bible says to do this. And then those of you uh, that feel led, board members, older folks, whatever, would you stand? Come lay your hands on us as we pray for our kids. So come on, all the parents, let's lay your hands on our kids. Teenagers, you can make your way up here too. Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay our hands on our kids. Uh, anyone else who feels led, uh, come lay your hands on us. And we're just going to pray over these guys. God's blessing on them. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for these beautiful children you've given us. Lord, thank you. Uh, you've made us for a time such as this. Thank you, Lord, you've made every one of these kids to know you, to accomplish far greater things for you than we ever will. Lord, thank you that you made them all unique. You made them all to know you. I pray you would give us strength uh, as parents to not provoke, to not exasperate, to love our kids in, in the way you call us to. Uh, Lord, I pray you would help us to discipline when we should. Uh, to love and encourage when we should. I pray every single kid standing here, Lord, they would grow up to know you. I pray you would protect them from the pain of this world as best they can be protected. Lord Jesus, I pray they would hear encouragement from us. I pray you would lay a straight path out ahead of them. Lord Jesus, when they grow old, would you let these kids never depart from you? Would you go with us with your peace and your presence? 
Would you bind our families together, Lord? We pray these things in your holy, in your matchless name, Jesus. Amen.